When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL podcast. As always, I'm joined by Will Stewart and Chris Coleman here in the TSL office studio. And uh, guys, we have a lot to talk about. There was uh, a big game over the weekend that fans may or may not have missed. Uh, Virginia Tech upsets Duke at home to wrap up a three-game homestand. We're definitely going to get into that. But uh, guys, how are we doing today? Doing well. Doing all right? Yeah, it's, it doesn't hadn't felt like February all February, but I'm sure we're setting up for a nice mid-March. Well, closer. I tell you what, it's it's kind of cold today. It's going to be cold for the next several days. Man, y'all are cold-natured. I think it feels good. I mean, I I, <laughs> I enjoy the cold, but I, I I will acknowledge that it is indeed cold. Will are you are, are you enjoying the chill down that we have? We had a week where it was like mid 70s, almost 80 degrees during the day. I'm I'm not happy because I'm gonna have to mow my lawn this weekend. <laughs> and I mean, that's right because you have a lot of lawns you have to worry about, isn't that right? I, I have a love hate relationship with True Green. They do a fantastic <laughs> job, but this this past November, I think I mowed my lawn on November 18th. I'm gonna have to mow it again on about March 3rd. You do the math. That's only three and a half months of not having to mow my lawn. Now, why do I care? Because I have a push mower. Uh, if I had a riding mower, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't be, be talking about this. Yeah. I got a riding mower out of my dad's lake house that I do, but at home <laughs> it's a push mower, man. I'm not liking it. Hey, man, push mower is the way to go if, if you want to get get a good workout in. But let's – I thought they were going to add Well, something. push, push mower is one of the many reasons I'm not a fat person. So, you know, that's <laughs> it's all part of the deal. I guess I should quit complaining. Fair enough. Uh, before we go ahead and dive into Virginia Tech's big win over Duke, kind of their tournament resume and kind of where the season stands as a whole – I do want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors at the Fisher Law Firm. Uh, Fisher Law Firm has been around for dozens of years. They're Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. They have offices in Blacksburg, Abingdon, and Charlottesville, Virginia, and are able to serve the entire Commonwealth. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. The firm does cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and regularly appears in over 30 jurisdictions. Last year, 90% of their caseload was traffic offenses, and to date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, you can call them anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, the number is 1-800-680-7031, and you can email the Fisher Law Firm at Info at FisherLegal.com. Thank you so much to the Fisher Law Firm for sponsoring the podcast. They've been a loyal sponsor, the TSL, and they continue to uh, to have our back. But let's go ahead and get into this game. Obviously, Tech had a three-game homestand that we missed. And we do need to acknowledge the other two games. Virginia Tech beats Clemson, which was a huge win. Uh, Clemson was ranked pretty high. They were really high in the RPI. Tech's able to pull that one out. Then they had a dud versus Louisville. They kind of didn't look very good. Louisville went on that hot streak at the end where they hit a ton of threes to finish the game. And next thing you know, uh, Tech's down by 
way too many at the end, and they end up losing to Louisville, who's kind of a. I think they're in the tournament, but they're you know I think they're going to be a lower seed than Tech, right? They're still very much on the bubble, and yeah, they'll be a lower seed. Than yeah, Tech. They, yeah, they don't have as. They, I mean, that might be their best win of the year. Right at, now? at Tech. Wow, I yeah. mean, it's very possible. Ugh. And so then, at Tech and at Florida State. And I don't. They lost. They've lost a bunch of home games. I mean, they came into the Virginia Tech game having lost five of their last seven games, and their only wins were against Pitt and Georgia Tech or Pitt and Wake, something like that. So they are not playing good basketball. They had to win against Virginia Tech. I mean, and that, they that did. was one of those games where their back was against the wall. They were tanking. They had no a bit. choice but to yeah, win. yeah. Uh, so I I went and looked at it. Virginia Tech has now lost, I believe, it's fourteen in a row to Louisville, dating back to nineteen ninety. And I know that really frustrates you. I, you know, <laughs> you have a you have a, a certain uh, disdain well, for Louisville. Anybody who's a Virginia Tech fan over the age of fifty or forty five or fifty or older, about forty five. Let's go with forty five. Should have a dislike for Louisville, and that's that's a whole separate podcast. And anybody who's paid attention to college sports over the last couple well, of years should have. A yeah, dislike so there's the recent stuff, yeah. but if you want to go way back in time, it's it's personal. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually looked at the last time Tech beat Louisville. Uh, I was surprised by this. Denny Crum was still Louisville's coach, and it was, I think, one of the, I guess, 1990 would have been during the Frankie Allen era when Tech wasn't very good. But uh, They beat him twice that year. Louisville had a really bad year that year. They had a losing record in the Metro, which, you know, just breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> so that, that was that was that kind was of – sarcasm, folks, in case you didn't catch that. It was kind of an era I'd forgotten, and, and Tech's record against Louisville is something ridiculous like 8-33. and 33. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going, going way back to 1979, the first year Tech was in the Metro Conference, uh, they won the Metro Conference Tournament, which to this day is the last conference tournament the Hokies have won. They, they, they never even won the Atlantic 10. No. no. And it oh, made, they barely got out of the first round of the Atlantic 10. E- even when they were really good that, that yeah. year made the NCAA Tournament, they still lost to Rhode Island in the opening round. Right. Then a couple years after that, I think they beat Fordham in back-to-back years. But then got Temple in the second round. Both times. I think the entire time Tech was in the A10, the only A10 victories they had in the tournament were over Fordham. Fordham. They, they were they were like two and zero against Fordham and over Fordham over four is, against Fordham is else. now a what division program? Division seventeen, <laughs> something along. I don't know where they. I guess they're still in the A10, right? Or uh, probably. I really don't what know. is the A10 anymore? Yeah, I, I think I the A10 know. has taken on more of almost a Colonial Athletic Association Association yeah. flavor now. It definitely um, has. But if I may be allowed a, a, a tangent, I do remember watching Fordham come into Castle one time. There's like a whopping 2,000 people there watching it. And, and Fordham had an ex-NBA coach. I think it was a guy named Bob Hill coaching them. He'd been fired from the NBA and had taken the Fordham job. So Tech slapping Fordham around in Castle. And, and Hill uh, didn't like the way the officiating was going. And uh, so he started getting on the refs. He's, and he wanted the refs to come over and talk to him Mike Krzyzewski style. Yeah. And the ref was like, "Yeah, whatever," and just kept running down the court. And Hill lost it because he was he was an NBA coach and he was used to a certain level of officiating and interaction. And yeah. uh, he got tossed. I remember he got thrown out. And all two thousand of us thought that was a lot of fun to That's watch. That's something I do. I do want to hit on once we start breaking down this game. But let's go ahead. The right? Yes, man. I do because Dan Dockich was was very critical of the officiating in that game for really that sole purpose, and I, and I do want to hit on See, that. See, so it was, it was relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, it that, was. That Fordham memory uh, was relevant. Tech upsets Duke, or number five Duke. So bef- on the on Sunday, Tech was a one-point favorite in Vegas. When the line closed, they were six-point dogs, which I thought was really weird. I guess everybody came in and bet at the last minute to, to bet on Duke, but Virginia Tech wins this game 
64-63 on a uh, putback off an air ball. Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, misses the mid-range shot. Uh, Chris Clark grabs the rebound, if you want to call it that, and is able to uh, get the putback to give Virginia Tech the win. And for me, Chris Clark is one of the guys that really stood out to me in the second half, obviously because he scored Tech's final six points in this game. But he sat for most of the first half in favor of P.J. Horn off the bench, and, and Buzz talked about that on Tech Talk Live on Monday night, or excuse me, Tuesday night, about how uh, Chris was able to kind of put that behind him, get over the fact that he wasn't getting in his, his regular minutes, and he came in when it really counted and he contributed. You know, th- this culture building that Buzz does um, really – I don't want to say works to his advantage because that, that makes it sound like he's calculating, but, but it, it really comes in handy when he has to do things like sit Ahmed Hill yeah, and keep Chris Clark on the bench for whatever reason he feels like he has to do it. Um, he, he, his players tend to handle that better than, than a guy who doesn't build the culture that Bud, Bud, Buzz builds. Um, I think P.J. Horn actually had more minutes than Chris Clark. I think it was 17 to 16 or something like that. Yeah, I thought P.J. Horn played really well. Especially in the first half. Um, and yeah. you got a little glimpse of what you'll see in the future of him playing power forward instead of center. And Virginia Tech will have him and Kerry Blackshear on the court at the same time next year. And they actually did that for like a minute or so the other night. I, I think they did it for more than that. They did it for well, a lot in the well, first that, half. That's well, true well, of Clark's well, out. Well, yeah. well, early in, he's, Clark is normally the first substitution of the second half, right? And But th- this time it was P.J. Horn, and he was in there with Kerry Blackshear. And that's how it's going to be. I mean, I don't think... I mean, Horn, I think most of Horn's minutes were the four. The yes, that, that was silly of me to say that. Let me point out the obvious. Blackshear played 38 minutes. Right. Horn played yeah. about 17. Right, right. Of course they were right, on the right. floor more than a minute. So, yeah. so you're going to see that a lot. And, and, you know, I think P.J. Horn has played well this year as an undersized backup center, but he will be an even better undersized four, Power four. In, in the future. And next year you're going to see – I don't know how the minutes will break down, but you, you, with Hadim C coming back – he can play all Tech his is, minutes at the four, along with Chris Clark and Ty Outlaw. I was going to say, really quick, Tech, Tech's front court depth, even though they're still going to be undersized, is pretty strong next year if you look at just the number of guys that have experience playing in the front court. Yeah, you know, it's it's no issue having an undersized four. A lot of teams have yeah, an undersized four. Yeah. Villanova won a national championship with well, an undersized typically, four. Well, Duke typically doesn't play two really big guys. They are this year. Right, but, but just because they have the, the Duke model has been a big there. Yeah, the Duke model's been a big guy and, and, and not another huge guy. Right, exactly. The yeah, te- Texas have, issue this year is they just don't have a backup center. Yeah. But it's not, it's not that they're undersized you'll have, four. You'll have Hadim able to take up five, ten minutes off the bench. P.J. Horn, Chris Clark, Ty Outlaw rotating in at the four. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can put Chris Clark at the three. I'd be interested in seeing that. But Yeah, that, kinda, that you could kind of go with your best rebounding line exactly. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- depending on the team. But Well, plus Clark is – is Clark's good in the in the middle of a zone like Justin Bibbs is. And, and Bibbs is more – what is Bibbs doing for us? He's, he's a three guy, right? Uh, he starts as a four. He's our starting four, yeah. technically. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, um, but but kind of going back to this game, and, and I want to hit on PJ Horn because I, I did think he played really well. Four rebounds, a block, and a steal. He he was really able to hold his own against Duke's bigs down low, and I felt like that was such a critical thing because coming into the game, I thought that Duke would just really pound the ball inside and force Virginia Tech to to pick one, mm-hmm. either defend Marvin Bagley or defend Wendell Carter, both of whom were obviously probably top five picks in next year's NBA draft. 
Um, but neither of those guys had a an overly large impact on the game on the offensive end. They combined for 14 shots. And they scored 17 points right. total. And, and Marvin Bagley's averaging almost that by himself. Yeah, and I think uh, Carter only took five shots. Yeah. And so it's – I'm not a an X's and O's basketball guy, but – what Virginia Tech is doing defensively is kind of pack lineish to is. a certain extent. Clogging that the they're paint. really clogging the paint, denying the ball to the inside. Um, I, and I don't know how they're going about doing that from an X's and O's standpoint and how it compares to UVA's defense. But the whole purpose of Virginia Tech's defense right now is to do the opposite of what they were doing earlier in the year when it was just so easy to get the ball inside against Virginia Tech. You were either driving past their guards or, or you could just pass it into the paint easily and – you know, you got easy shots on the inside, but a lot of easy kickouts for wide open threes too. Yeah. So, I mean, you could score inside or outside against Virginia Tech, and it was easy. Now teams really only have one option. You have to shoot. You the have three. to shoot the three because you just can't get the ball inside against Virginia Tech. It's it's one of the most brilliant mid-season turnarounds that you'll see. I think it's really hard to change your entire philosophy in the middle of the season like that. It's oh, what a really good coaching job yeah, by Buzz. And, 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 he, and he said it, and he's right. You have to give credit to the players, too. Oh, sure. For being able to completely change your mindset, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well, going from being an offensive-oriented team, uh, really running the floor, running the pace as fast as you can, five seconds or less, whatever you want to call it, um, and to really kind of remake yourself and remold yourself into this defensive juggernaut that happens to have a ton of athletes on the offensive end. And, and, and it goes back to what Will said. I mean, you can only do this if you recruit this, the, the, a certain type of player. Yeah, you I have mean, to have guys that are adaptable. Right, right. And, and coachable. I mean, can you imagine if – I mean, not a lot of Ahmed Hills would take – uh, kindly to be in benched like that in the middle of the season. I mean, would Florida State's version of Ahmed Hill, if you just benched him in the middle of the season, how would he react? Or Louisville's, or, or Louisville's Ahmed Hill, or or whatever. I just think, especially you know, Ahmed Hill was a highly recruited guy. He was a top sixty national recruit, and yeah. a, a lot of guys like that. Uh, you know, there there would be certain there would be a certain I don't want to say arrogance about them, but 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 a certain. Uh, Confidence, a certain level of confidence yeah, where right. they wouldn't be able to handle it. Right, right, where uh, they would just not take kindly to be in bench, so to yeah. speak. And and I think Buzz's big offseason project will be rebuilding Ahmed Hill's confidence yeah, and his offensive gone. ability. It's gone. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be there. But to and his he's also credit. going to have to turn him into a good defender. Right. But to his credit, Hill has stayed engaged and he's playing hard when he is in the game. Um, so, but I don't. I think I don't think you could get away with a lot of things Buzz has been able to do this year if he was recruiting a different type of player. One of the interesting things that I, I took from Tech Talk Live on Tuesday night as well was Buzz was um, was talking about during the Louisville game when when Louisville was making those those three pointers, a lot of them contested down the stretch, and Buzz was talking about whether or not he wanted to abandon his newfound philosophy of really just forcing teams to shoot threes. And, and trying to score as much as you can on the offensive end. And he he thought about it to himself, and he said, you know, if I do this, these kids are going to look at me like I'm a clown. I'm going to sit here and tell them that, that this big change that we had to make, we're now going to fall back right on back. it for one situation. And and to Buzz's credit, he stuck with the, the strategy, and they lost that game. But that strategy has brought them so much success down the stretch here, especially against a team like Duke. I think uh, ever since that Miami game, only two teams have scored 70 on Virginia Tech. And that was NC State, which was, I think, the first game after the Miami game. 
and, and then Louisville. Yeah. And, well, at Duke also. But, but you know, for the most part, teams are scoring in, in the 60s against Virginia Tech, and their defense is very impressive. They're not quite as potent offensively because they're, apparently they're just not practicing. Yeah, but they're anymore. not even doing any, <laughs> any half-court offensive right. practice. But they're still good enough. They're still good enough offensively. They've still got enough weapons on the court, and they've still got enough guys who are naturally good enough offensively to be an effective team. Um, it's just it's really interesting the way this season is, is borne out for Virginia Tech. And honestly, Duke isn't that much different as far as how their season has gone, they weren't playing defense earlier this year. Man. You know, they had those two back-to-back losses to St. John's and North Carolina when they gave up 82 and 81 points. And all of a sudden, you know, they switched to that zone defense. They're denying the basketball They're to, playing to a the ton inside. Of zone now. I mean, teams I never are, thought I'd see a Duke team play that much zone. Right, exactly. And uh, you know, teams are only averaging 55 or so points against them since those back-to-back losses. So Virginia Tech's 64 points the other day was actually very impressive considering <laughs> what Duke has, yeah. has been doing recently. Uh, so it's Coach K was able to change his team in the middle of the season just like Buzz. So that that's kind of what makes Monday night's game an even more interesting matchup, I think, because of uh, how both teams have changed in the middle of the season. Well, let me take you back to the first half. Justin Robinson goes out with a, a twisted ankle, some sort of ankle issue. Um, Tech was trailing by 15 points with nine minutes left in the first half. Uh, did you think the game was over at that point? Because I did. I, I thought have, it. I, I thought it was looking really grim. Yeah. Um. And and literally at the twenty nine to fourteen mark, you're thinking that they need to start doing something now, or and this, then this that's thing exactly is over. What they did. And they did. But but even then, I was a little distressed because uh, Duke in the last nine minutes of the first half scored four points, and they and Tech missed even with outscoring Duke. What was it? Thirteen to four. Over the could over, have over that twenty nine, to four, man. I, I yeah. was I was just shaking my head like, man, Duke has got the door wide open for you guys, and and you really ought to be, you know, piling up the points here and, and taking a lead in the halftime. So I was, and then they went in still down six, and I thought, man, was that their only opportunity? Yeah, you know, is Duke. My, I was concerned that Duke was going to come out and and score ten points in the first two minutes of the second half, and this thing is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so and, and instead, Tech ends up outscoring Duke from that that point in the first half. 50 to 34 in the final 29 minutes. And what really stood out to me was Tech was able to be more efficient on the offensive end in the second half. You talked about them missing all those shots. They shot 52% from the field in the second half. Now, granted, Duke shot 50%, but Tech was able to turn it on offensively, and they were able to get enough stops and force enough turnovers in the second half to, to you know, just constantly chip away at that lead. It's not like Tech went on a massive run where they went on a 15-0 run or anything like that. They kept right. slowly chipping away at it. it you know, the, and they had to chip away at it a bunch of times. I mean, Duke took a nine-point lead, what, like four, four times in the times second half? Four times in the second half. Right, and yep. they could never get over uh, get they over. Never get over the hump. And, and, and that was it, something you it, wrote about. Uh, Chris, he wrote about or, or, yeah. yeah, Will wrote about that. They could never put them away. They That's couldn't, what happens couldn't when you get let over that 10-point you know, mark. What was impressive, really, to me about Tech's comeback is it really reminded me of last year's comeback against UVA when the Hokies were down by 14 at halftime that, that day. And with with UVA being such a great defensive, defensive team, team, you're like, man, this so, is well, over. And their pace and their defense. So with Duke, it's not necessarily their pace, but when you look at Look at their defense over the last five or six games coming into the Virginia Tech game. They were only allowing 55 or so points a game. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, a very low probability of a comeback. And yet Virginia Tech has been able to do that against an elite-level team two years in a row. So, Will, in a, in a uh, column you wrote just a couple weeks ago, you told Virginia Tech fans to not believe the garbage 
that the Hokies <laughs> were guaranteed in the tournament. So I'm going to give you the honors now. Is Virginia Tech guaranteed to make the NCAA tournament this year? Virginia Tech is guaranteed to make the NCAA okay. tournament. So <laughs> I want my, to give you the honor to do that. My gripe meter is now pegging on what will probably be their seed. Yeah. So, um, it, <laughs> so th- th- there are some other things I want to hit on in terms of this season. Tech is obviously 21-9, and 10-7 in the ACC. And, and before we get on the other things, let's go over the, the most recent bracketology. Really quick. We're recording this on Wednesday morning, uh, February 28th. So as of this morning, Jerry Palm at CBS Sports has Virginia Tech as a number eight seed versus Middle Tennessee in the <laughs> in the East bracket. Uh, Villanova is the one seed in that bracket. Joe Lenardi at ESPN has Virginia Tech as a number eight versus Missouri in the Midwest. Xavier is the number one there. So, Will, what are your problems with the seeding? So, I think Chris and I are probably going to trample <laughs> each other a little yeah. bit because we were, we were talking about this before before we started recording the podcast. So. A little bit of research I did uh, in writing my article yesterday is that uh, Tech's been in the ACC, uh, this is the 13th or 14th year, and this is only the second time that they've beaten, now I'm not talking RPI, I'm talking rankings, this is only the second time that they've beaten three top 10 ACC teams. The other time was 2006-2007 when they went to the NCAA tournament as a five seed. The highest seed in school history. Right. So... Uh, if you want to extend it out to number 15, Clemson was ranked 15th. It's the only time Tech has beaten four top 15 teams in ACC play. Um, when, when you look at the record that that 6 team accumulated, both in conference and out of conference, and you look at what this year's team has done, both in conference and out of conference, they are very, very, very similar. And yet the 6 team was a five seed, and this year's team has been 8, 9, 10 seed, you know, the whole time they've sort of, ever since they sort of came off the bubble. Why is that? Why is the 6 team a five seed and this year's team, which is almost the same team record-wise and schedule-wise, why is it, well, and, and Chris will, will, I'm gonna go Chris will take, take the this schedule <laughs> comment. You know, why, why, I just roll my eyes when I hear an 8 or 9 seed because, Virginia Tech at this point in time is a much better team than that. And they're not 19 and 12. They're, what is it, 21 and 9 21 now? 21 and 9 with 10 wins already in the 10 ACC and 7. with a chance to get to 11. Yeah, you know, the 2017 was 21 and 11 when they went into the NCAA tournament, and they were a five seed. Yeah, and they finished 10 and 6 in the ACC. 10 and that 6 year, in I the think. ACC, yeah. exactly. And we're a game away from winning the ACC regular season, yeah. you know, being a number one seed in the ACC tournament. The difference is, is non-conference strength of schedule. That's all it is. Seth Greenberg had a terrific non-conference strength of schedule in 06-07. And then for some inexplicable reason, he just stopped having good non-conference <laughs> schedules after that. But I don't want to have that anyway, anymore. Anyway, let, let me go over that schedule with you right now because I've got it pulled up on my phone. All right, so what year is this? 2006-2007, the year they were the five seed. Okay. With a 21-11 and record, they were the five seed. Started out with Coppin State. That's a bad team. Second game of the year, they play West Florida, a Division II team. Oh, imagine that. Oh, Oh. boy. And then they go down to the Old Spice Classic uh, in Florida, where they lose to Michigan State on a neutral court. It's a neutral court loss, not a home loss, and Michigan State was... The previous year they'd been in the NIT, that's a top 150 RPI loss, you know, so it's not a terrible loss. They beat Montana on a neutral court. They lose to Southern Illinois, who they eventually ended up losing to in the tournament. tournament. So that's a quality loss. They come back home, they beat Iowa, and Iowa was much better that year than they are this year. 
Then they lost to GW on a neutral site game in D.C. Neutral site. They lost to him by one point. Then they beat Old Dominion. Then they beat Appalachian State, who was a pretty good team that year. Uh, they actually played an ACC game in December and beat Wake. They beat Seton Hall in Madison Square. Now, that Park, was a big one. A neutral that site a win. Win. Seton Hall wasn't that great of a team that year, but it, it, was, a, uh, it was a neutral site win. Uh, that was the famous game where Jamon Gordon said, between you and me and all the people listening on the radio, I don't like these uniforms. <laughs> 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 Came back home and they beat Campbell. But this is not a – Campbell that year I think was a top 200-ish team. Uh, they lost to Marshall, at, but it was at Marshall. And, again, Marshall was not a sub-300 team. And then they come back and they beat Richmond. Uh and, th- and that was it. I mean, but, you, but, you only had one sub-300 team there, and it was Coppin State. So, yes, it's a better strength of schedule, but did they actually beat anybody? No. Iowa, probably. I don't forget, I forget Iowa's final record. Uh, but It's not like they tore it up against correct. that schedule. For, they got know? rewarded for losing a bunch of games that they shouldn't have lost, in all honesty. Because, you know, a week after losing to Marshall on the road, they beat Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then the next, very next week, they beat number one UNC. Yeah. So, so that was your, your normal Seth Greenberg teams. So to they, give fans some context and how that schedule relates to this year's schedule, um, if you go and look at the team sheet, and Ox has this, Ox VT, who does a ton of workforce in terms of infographics. He's a great poster on our boards. Um, he put he has the updated team sheet on his Twitter account, Um so if you just looking at some sub two fifty teams, is that is that a fair benchmark? Yeah. Okay. Citadel two eighty three, uh, Moorhead State two eighty eight, mm-hmm. Detroit Mercy three three oh five, Presbyterian three thirteen, Houston Baptist three thirty six, and uh, UMES three forty seven. Now let let me state for the record that Tech has no had no control over playing Houston Baptist and okay. Detroit Mercy because that was part of the two K classic. Yes, they but were then te- you have Citadel. Right. Moorhead State. I I bet I bet if you take out the Citadel and Moorhead State and you add a non division one team and you add Marshall, I bet Tech's a five seed. Right? Hey guys, just Pitt, by the numbers. Pitt is not in the top two hundred in the RPI. Oh I know, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah they're not. <laughs> it's they're, really they're sad kind of how tonight, far they've fallen off. Tonight Pitt will record the second 0 and eighteen ACC season oh, in, in history. Well no, they'd be 0 and seventeen tonight. They got one more chance this weekend, right? Well, I think they're playing yeah, all ACC. No, they're already 0 and 17. Are you sure? No, I don't. I think uh, no mm. ACC team has the last weekend off. Hang on, Ricky's looking it up on the computer. Yeah. I, I think Pitt is 0 and 17 my, now. My trusty laptop here. I'm going to get you guys. The so how do they have the last weekend off? That would yeah, give I don't, an I don't know that. That doesn't sound right, but I swear. Pittsburgh I is 0 and 17. There you go. No kidding. Yeah. And so eight, eight and twenty-two overall. So that so they play their last game tonight. Maybe tonight. Maybe this weekend. You know. Well, no. That's, see, that's well, not even fair. That me doesn't. Uh, I mean, imagine if they were. Uh, all right. Imagine yeah, if a good. It, it can't really complain about. <laughs> well, it's not. But, 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 right but imagine, imagine if a good team had had that schedule. Had, had well, yeah. The, if they oh, played their at eight, Notre Dame if they, tonight. If they played their eighteenth game tonight. You're off this weekend. You get a whole week to rest up before the ACC tournament. So you can good lose thing again. they're not any good. Good thing they're not any good. <laughs> yeah, and they're at Notre Dame tonight with so, with, so. with Bonzi Colson supposedly returning tonight. Ah. So that's going to be really bad for Pittsburgh probably. But so so let let's bring the conversation yeah, back around. Back to, to Here's tech. the bottom line for me: if this year's 
excuse me, if the 0607 team played this year's out of conference schedule, which is terrible, they would have had the same record against it. They would have gone, you know, 11 and 2 or 12 and 2 or whatever it was. The, these are the same teams and, you know, 607 in this year's, and, and they just had different schedules. And that's, um, that's what bugs me is that that, that team is no more. Uh, a five seed. Uh, yeah, I think you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That this team, I think, is worthy of being. I don't know about a five seed. That's pretty high. T- tech, but a six, maybe. Uh, yeah, well, you know, if you flip schedules, then I think this team could be a five seed because I think they'll. I actually, think that's the point I'm they, making. They have you're right. They have uh, five quadrant one wins. You know that team in 07, They beat North Carolina twice and they beat Duke, um, and they beat Virginia once. Uh, so I know that's four wins over NCAA tournament teams. But I think on the whole, this team has more quality wins than that one. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and I just don't think they would have lost to Marshall, and I don't think they would have lost to who else was on that list, Western Michigan or yeah. Bowling Green or somebody. Well, see, and, well, see, and that's, what, that's what Seth Greenberg teams did. You know, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 they would beat Duke and then three days later get smacked around on their home court by Boston College. So that, and, that segues into something that I actually wanted to talk about earlier in the podcast. Yes, Seth was very good at getting his teams ready to play the best, but not great at getting them motivated against uh, mm-hmm. you know teams that they were having trouble right. getting fired up for. The pattern I'm seeing with Buzz Williams' teams, and, and he's only been here four years, but I, I think the pattern that's starting to establish itself is Buzz's coaching and his teams get better as the year goes on. Right. Uh, and I, yeah, that's kind of normal. It might sound silly to say that, but just, just because I think the point I'm making is a tech fan might sit there and say, yeah, Buzz won't have that kind of problem that Seth had. Well, Buzz might have a different problem right. where he has to figure things out early in the year. And we're going to get a chance to find this out next year when they do have a better out of conference schedule. I can't remember the name of the tournament they're going to the be Gildan. in, but the Gildan classic, classic something like that. Yeah. You know, Tech's going to have an opportunity to go up against somebody other than a sub-250 or sub-300 RPI team. Yeah. And and Buzz, like Seth, might lose some of those games while he's trying to figure some things out. But, uh, you know, I, I I think he's clearly establishing a pattern at this point that his teams play well in February. Yeah, and, you know, even we can complain, I guess, to a certain extent about the Saturday home losses to – to Florida State and Louisville and Miami, Miami yeah. but it's not like those are bad teams. Those are NCAA tournament caliber teams, right there. They were just it's, missed opportunities. They were, they were all they were was missed opportunities. They weren't bad losses. Uh, I mean, Tech went. Tech did not lose to anybody in the top in the bottom five of the conference. I mean, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Georgia Tech, they beat Wake Forest, they beat Pitt, they beat who am I leaving out? Georgia Tech. Yeah. They went five and zero against the bottom of the league. And one thing that's really helped their schedule is they only played those five teams at the bottom once each. Yeah, instead, and they've played UVA twice. They played Duke twice. Played Louisville twice. Here's a good, really good thing about Miami Tech's twice. resume: is the ACC is the best league in the country. Who has the toughest league schedule in the ACC this year? Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Virginia Tech's schedule is ranked as the toughest league schedule of all ACC teams this year. Yeah. And generally, you know, you see your bottom feeding teams have the hardest schedules because. Obviously, they're playing a bunch of teams that are higher than them in the rankings. Yeah. And your teams like Duke and UVA, they're at the bottom because they're, everybody they play is is near the it's bottom. Worse it's, it's worse than them. worse than them, exactly. Um, but Virginia, for Virginia Tech to be in the, you know, the top five or six in the ACC and to have the toughest schedule is 
really shows how tough yeah. their schedule has been. I mean, Duke twice, UVA twice, Miami we will be twice this weekend, Louisville will be twice this weekend, and all those bottom feeders just once each. And the fact that Tech is ten and seven with this record, maybe eleven and seven after Saturday. I mean, that that, that would be. That'd be very impressive. So, in in researching past Virginia Tech basketball seasons, since they've been in the ACC, I think it was the 2010-2011 year where they beat Duke, and Duke was number one, and uh, Tech was on the bubble and got left out. I believe it was that year where that was the only win they had over a ranked ACC team. I think that was the year where they played all the bottom feeder teams twice, yeah. and all the top teams just once. Yeah. So the point in general, looking back over those seasons where Tech was on the bubble and on the wrong side of the bubble, um, they they really didn't get a chance to play and or beat many right. of the top teams in the right. ACC. They either lost to them, and and so like years where they were going nine and seven and ten and six, all of their victories were against teams that weren't ranked, which right. therefore makes you think they also weren't very good. I didn't research all the ACC records and all that stuff, but so this this year is. Very comparable to 06-07 in terms of the number of top ACC teams they've played and the number of top ACC teams they've beaten. Right. So to the, the main question I think that we should ask in this podcast, because Virginia Tech has basically guaranteed a spot in the NCAA tournament this year, no matter what they do in the ACC tournament, even though they would certainly like to pick up some more wins to, to maybe bump that, that line up a bit and maybe get to a seven seed. Um, but so Tech now has wins against uh, number two at the time, Virginia, number 10, North Carolina, number 15, Clemson, and number five, Duke. Um, I believe that is the first time in school history that Virginia Tech has beaten four top 15 teams in the AP Top 25. It's certainly the first time I can remember. So with with though, with that stat right there, the fact that this team's going to be uh, in the tournament for the second year in a row how significant is that for the program? Oh, it's big. I mean, I was three years old the last time we made two consecutive NCAA tournaments. I mean, it's, just, it's been since the 80s. And, uh, you know, I, I think – I always get on our message board posters. Some of them say, I'd rather win the NIT than mm. lose in the first that or second round I, I of don't, the NCAA I don't tournament. Understand well, that the logic. reason they say that is because they don't know what it's like to be the fan of a team that makes an NCAA tournament run. They don't know what it's like. Yeah. If they experience that once, they'll forget about the NIT. I guarantee <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll, they'll forget about that completely. I mean, the NIT used to mean something. It doesn't mean anything these days, unless you have a really young team, which Virginia Tech does not. So the NIT would have been nothing this year. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, for me... Just uh, being, being relevant, nationally relevant, being in the tournament, right, right. not being a bubble team Cur- so far this right, year, right, right. those are steps... It, 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 this is the thing that I've been talking about with, with a lot of my friends that are Virginia Tech fans. Go back to the James Johnson era. Look at where this program was five, six years ago. Yeah. It, it was in shambles. It was literally a dumpster fire. If you look at the program now... The team is competitive on a national scale. They're beating ranked teams. They're winning big games on the road. They're winning primetime games. They're recruiting better. You're in the tournament for a second year in a row. You have a chance to possibly earn a double bye yeah, in the ACC yeah, right. tournament. For the first time if in school history. If you had told Virginia Tech fans that five years ago, they would have laughed you out of the room. And they would have just stopped worrying about Virginia Tech basketball because well, they were going to lose to whoever they were going to play if, that at night. At that point, you're like, okay, James Johnson is the, is the coach. Obviously, we need a new coach, but we need a new athletic director first to hire the new coach. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be another bad hire. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was just a bad time to be a Virginia Tech basketball fan at that stage. So and this is this has happened in a, very quickly when you really think There's about it. There's just so much that had to happen in these last four years for this amount of success to occur, and I think that Virginia Tech fans need to take a step back from this and just appreciate what you're seeing. Tech could easily get knocked out in the first round of of the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. But I think Tech fans, and I think you guys appreciate it. Oh yeah. But I think I think I, I think everybody really needs I, to appreciate what they're watching right I, now. I, I, when I was a student, I was one of maybe like two hundred students that would go to every basketball game. <laughs> and I don't remember when I was a kid in nineteen ninety six. They would, you know, they would stop class in school and turn the TV on so everybody could watch the ACC tournament. Right. Yeah. Virginia Tech's in the NCAA tournament the next week. Oh, they would not turn the television on for me to watch Virginia Tech play Wisconsin Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I get home from school and I watch the last five minutes of the game, and until Virginia Tech beat uh, beat Illinois in two thousand seven in the NCAA tournament, I'm, that was the first time I'd ever seen Virginia Tech win an NCAA tournament game from start to finish, at least yeah. that Illinois yeah. game, and I've and. So to this day, I'm 35 years old. That's the only joy I've ever experienced from an NCAA tournament uh, in, in my whole life as a Tech fan. So making the tournament two years in a row is a huge deal to me. I mean, it's huge. And if they make it again next year, that'll be the first time in school history that they've they made ever it made it three years, years in, a row. in a row. Yeah, and so if you go again, you go back to that 06-07 season, that was a senior-laden team. Uh, yes. Now they had Duran. Duran was not a senior. But he was a junior. And and AD Visayo was, was a, a sophomore. sophomore, correct? Yep. But their 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 marquee players were Coleman Collins, Zabian Dowdell, and Jamon Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case this year. It's not like this is a senior laden right. team that's going to have to. Although ninety five ninety six was senior laden. Although right. this year's team, at least right now in its current form, two of the starters are, are seniors. Yeah, and, and and those are two Tech's two best perimeter defenders, and that'll some that'll be something that Buzz will have to work out next year. But you're right that they're still. A ton of returning talent on this team coming back. Yeah, and there are same, some things Buzz will have to figure out. Yes, uh, there will be. Defensively is the obvious thing because they talk about Devin Wilson's and, defense. And, and, and for me, I think that's one of the biggest things because I, I we, we've all been critical of Buzz Williams and, and some of the decisions that he's made, whether it be in recruiting or playing time or schematically or whatever. But um, despite all of those faults that Buzz has exhibited in his time, whether it be on the floor, off the floor, whatever um, – He's really turned this program around in his ability to connect with his players and get them to do this midseason switch to basically reinvent themselves. I think it's something else that might be being overlooked by some people. Uh, I would agree with that, and, and I think that is – I get a little worried when I when I think about Bibbs and Wilson taking their um, perimeter defense out of the equation. And the thing that is also underappreciated about Bibbs is the mid-range offensive game. Yeah. There's nobody else on the team that can that can do what he you did know, the other Ahmed night. You know, Ahmed Hill did that as a freshman, and it's gone. And everybody was wondering, man, if he can develop his three-point shot, he can be a really good player. <laughs> now and, now, yeah. and now it's all he has. Yeah. Yeah. So there there are things that you worry about leaving. But, you know, Buzz, you don't, Buzz isn't building the same kind of team every single year. He's going to look and see what his players can do and not do well. I worry about when Justin Robinson leaves, can Wabisa Beattie replace him? Yeah. I don't know about replace. He'll be a different kind of point but guard. Can, yeah, but yeah, and, and that's fine. But and, and one of the things that Buzz has mentioned uh, multiple times since the, the Miami game where Tech lost on February 3rd in front of a really good crowd, um, he's mentioned that this year will change the way 
that he coaches for the rest of his career. Hmm. And I think that that's a good thing for him and it's a good thing for the program because I think that his understanding that um, you, you do have to be competent defensively to win in the ACC. This isn't Big 12 football where it's a race to 60. Um, you, you, you do have to be able to get stops consistently in the ACC. And if his teams continue to do that, there's no reason to, to, to not believe that Tech can't be a top six, top seven team in the ACC a every consistent single second season. tier team behind. And, 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 and possibly if you catch the right year where you have four seniors on the roster and you have some really good talent, maybe you get into that that yeah. top three. Yeah, um, I think. Especially with a lot of these coaches coming up on the end of their careers. I'm really appreciating what Buzz has, has done. I thought when he was hired that he was the best, obviously the best hire we've ever made for basketball. Uh, considering considering what our basketball program was when we hired him, he was arguably the most impressive hire we've made for any sport. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, to that, be able to pull just, him away from an elite eight, sweet sixteen correct. program to go but, coach but, at Virginia Tech. But but he was no sure thing, and I'll tell you why. You know, when he took over at Marquette, he took over a program uh, that was already a winner. They were, going, yeah. they were going to NCAA tournaments under Tom Crane, he didn't have to who build ended them. up eventually got the Indiana job. He didn't have to build anything. He took over a successful program. So when he came to Virginia Tech, you're like, okay, we know that he knows how to coach a team that is already a winner. Can he build his own program? Can he take what had been the worst program in the ACC for the last three years and build it into a winner? Yes, he did, and he did it very quickly. So... He's gone from a guy who, yeah, good coach for the right program to now I think he could probably coach just about anywhere. I, I don't know if he could coach at, you know, one of the Blue Bloods, not not because he's not a talented enough coach. He doesn't recruit those kids. He doesn't, yeah, right. I, I think there's a certain – Those uh, kids don't fit his his His, his personality and his culture, I, I agree to a certain His culture extent. is all about progression and development and growing – and when you've got kids that are in there for basically they're going to be there for four or five months, right. that doesn't really fit your culture. Nikhil Alexander Walker, which is why will probably like, be the highest highest touted recruit he ever signed. Which is which is why I think Virginia Tech is a great fit for him in that sense. Is that Virginia Tech will never appeal to those those one and done players. But you, you don't need to appeal to one and done players to be a consistently good program. Well, no. part of the reason Virginia Tech won against Duke the other night is that Tech is they've had a, guy, a lot of guys in their program. They have a culture, they have a cohesiveness, and Duke, although they've got a ton of talent, they've they've lost that in mm-hmm. the tra- in the transition from being four year guys that Coach K used to coach to a lot of one and dones. There are certain things that have been lost in the Duke program, and you know it's one of those that's things. something that Calipari is dealing with now is that they have a ton of one and dones on that roster this year, and they're barely a, a top well, five seed. He usually manages that better than anybody else, and so he hasn't kind done it great that this yeah. year. I don't think they're as talented this year. I think Duke has surpassed them at least for this year in terms of the in one terms and of sheer yeah. talent, yeah. and yeah. it's going to be next year too. They have the top three, right? right. Recruits in the country, Jeez. according to ESPN. <laughs> and, you know, I think Duke could win the national title this year. Yeah, I, yeah they I, could. I, I, They're I'm, easily one of the most talented teams in the country. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think if they can avoid UVA somehow, if somebody else up, upsets UVA in the ACC tournament and Duke doesn't have to play them, then I think Duke will win the ACC tournament. Uh, I, I do think UVA is a tough matchup for them because you throw all those freshmen against the pack line. I yeah. think that's really you just hard. Don't see it all that often. You just you never see it, and maybe that's one of the reasons they lost to Tech. The Tech was playing a style of defense that you just don't see all that often. Uh, but I think against a normal team that doesn't have you know some kind of specialized defense or something like that, 
I don't think anybody can beat Duke in the NCAA tournament. I think it would I think it would take a uh, a bad game by Duke. Think about Duke. They're the most talented team in the country. What do they have? Five losses now? Six losses? I think it's six. Okay. All six of those losses, from a pure talent standpoint, is an upset, right? Yeah. So when you're a Duke fan, I bet Duke fans just haven't had much joy this year. They lost to UNC, and they lost five other games that, from a talent perspective, they shouldn't have lost. There's no team this year that they've beaten that you're like, man, we well, played they're a- just better than yeah, us. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke is 24 and six overall, and 12 and five in the conference. And I bet their fans are mad. They're four games. Well, they were back mad the other of, night. Of UVA in the loss column. Yeah, Mad- you, Madeline Stowe was angry had, about her trip to Blacksburg, Virginia. <laughs> if you had told anybody that UVA was going to win the ACC by four going plus away. games with this a, year, with quite nobody would have believed you. Quite possibly going 17 and one. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would have believed you because I, I don't. I think that everybody thought that UV this was UVA's year where they were going to be just good and not really good. Right. And obviously that hasn't turned out to be the case. But as much as we're kind of doing a, por- a post mortem here on the Tech season, there's another game to play in the regular season. Yeah. Tech has to yeah. travel yep. to Miami to finish the year. Obviously, Tech lost to Miami in Castle Coliseum in front of a pretty good crowd, 84-75. Tech never really felt it, or never really felt like they were in that game. They cut um, it to three late. Yeah, but they, but they were never able to. They, they never able never able to assert control. Uh, Miami is twenty one and eight overall, ten and seven in the ACC. They're four and three since that win at Virginia Tech, um, and they beat number nine North Carolina last night yeah. on a buzzer beater, where North Carolina scored at the last second, yeah. and then Miami's uh, Jaquan Newton gets a running start. Hits a three off the back of the rim from probably about 35, 40 feet out. Yep. And uh, and really sent the Dean Dome into a frenzy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it North- broke my heart, too, in the process. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they did. But uh, the what's the importance of this game? We've already talked a ton about Miami specifically, and, and you guys have already seen them this year. There's no sense in diving into the players and such. But how important is this game for seeding purposes, not just in the ACC tournament, but in the NCAA tournament, a chance to pick up another good road win to add to the out of the resume i would like to think that if tech went down there and won at miami that they might finally budge off that eight nine line that yes. they've been stuck on for so and, long and, and and even though this year might be the year to be on the eight nine line because there doesn't really seem like four like elite teams right. in the in the in the in the country um, so, but you still want to get. I mean, if you're at that seven line, you feel a lot more comfortable at facing a two seed than you do a one. The chances of a one making the the elite eight in the final four are much greater than a, than a yeah. two making the elite eight right. in the final four. Yeah. They're yeah. a one seed for a reason. So, picking up a win like this would maybe get you off of that eight nine line, like you were saying. I yeah. hope you know, and and but it also. There are. It's not likely, but there are certain machinations by which Tech could get a double bye in the ACC tournament. Yeah, because right now Clemson is ten and six. Uh, NC State's ten and six. Miami is ten and seven. If Virginia Tech wins this game, they go to eleven and seven. If Clemson, NC State were to both lose out, Virginia Tech would be the four seed. Yeah. Um, so at eleven and seven. That would be nice. In the ACC. Um, and also just, uh, you know. But, but also a, a, a counterpoint to that, wouldn't you maybe prefer to be the five and have a chance to pick up another late win that would be a whole lot easier against a lower-ranked ACC team than having to play a team that's already beat, beaten two teams? It depends on what that does to your computer numbers. At that I guess point, it depends on who the point, team is. That, right. At that point, Tech is going to have enough wins. The yeah. win, total number of wins about, don't matter at that stage. It's yeah. what, 
do you pick up any more quality wins? What does it do to your computer numbers? And I don't think beating a 13 seed or whatever in that first game was uh, going to be all that great. Well, for yeah, I don't think that that would particularly when you consider any. there's some really bad teams. So in you the would ACC you would much rather have a, a chance I, I, to beat I, a team like Louisville I, or Florida State, right? Right, and, and or maybe is, even Miami uh, again. You're, I don't NC think State. you're in a no win situation. If you get upset, it makes you look bad. It hurts your seeding, but I don't think winning the game helps. So I would rather have the four seed. At least if you lost your first game to the five seed, you've lost to an NCAA tournament team, and it doesn't hurt you at yeah, all. Yeah, it's um, true. I think Virginia Tech, if they go down and beat Miami, that will give them six quadrant one wins with a possible seven. Like Washington is hanging around at number 52, 52 right now. Yep. And their last two games are at home. Um, so if they win both of those games, they could get back into the top 50. So Virginia Tech could have as many as seven quadrant one wins this year. Which and, and there are not a lot impressive. of teams right, right, right. quadrant one. Exactly. Which gets back to my rant about why are they on the 8-9 line. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. If they do beat Miami and they end up with seven uh, quadrant one wins, you win a game in the ACC tournament, I think they can still get a six seed. There's always a team every year that is overseeded. Yeah, that, that could, you look at and you're like, tech. man, why is that team seeded higher? And I actually think it could be Tech this year uh, just because of their number of quality wins. Well, last year, what, don't you think it was Wisconsin last year? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, well, they Wisconsin were, was under underseeded. Yeah. yeah. They probably should have been a Wisconsin six Wisconsin should or seven. not have been an eight. Right. That was, no. that was, they were criminally underseeded yes. in that tournament. As they proved in, by beating Villanova <laughs> exactly. in the second round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, folks, <laughs> all the time we have for this one. Uh, for the Miami game, it's Saturday, March 3rd, this Saturday at noon. That'll be on ESPN2, so you don't have to worry about any of the affiliate listing stuff. Uh, Virginia Tech will have a chance to pick up another win and possibly, possibly secure a double buy in the ACC tournament. And we'll see how that goes. We will have a podcast next week to recap that and to kind of preview the ACC tournament, where everything stands, Tech's possi- possibility of maybe running the table and winning the ACC tournament or get, picking up a couple more quality wins. And we'll also take a look at the seeding and where Virginia Tech looks at in the NCAA tournament. But until then, for Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and for myself, Ricky the Blue, thanks for listening.